Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B, and on this show, we'll talk truth on tough topics to help you normalize and navigate the junk and invite you to choose epic joy on the daily. Because let's be honest, life gets to be a whole lot of both. We'll jam on beliefs, breakups, body image, and so much more to create breakthroughs and become the truest you. Like my mama B always says, put a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Let's start. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cup of Joy, the podcast. I could not be more excited for the conversation that I'm going to share with you today. I have a very, very special guest, and I'm going to give you her formal title first, and then I'll give you her less formal title. So today I have, I almost said doctor, but she's not a doctor. She's like a doctor in my life. I'm like, she's so professional. I have Holly Sharp, and she's the author of Dream It and Do It, a collection of 100 short stories featuring real world role models designed to encourage kids to discover a wide variety of interests. And she just so happens to be my cousin and dearest, dearest friend. So welcome to the podcast, cousin. I We were saying this earlier, and I'm, we'll probably say a million times we were saying this earlier because we have been talking for half an hour before we started <laughs> this. Like This is where we were meant to end up, Heidi doing a podcast and me writing a book and then us talking about it and making all of you listen to it. <laughs> I feel like you're one of the people in my life that I relate to the most. We've been through so many different phases of growth. Just for the listeners, we're 10 months apart in life. Um, we both have two sisters. We grew up really, really close in the state of Michigan together, went to college together, the same school just by accident. Uh, they're not accident, but you know, didn't plan on going for you. But we just spent have spent a lot of our lives together, but then also so much of our lives apart, but always magnetically drawn back, drawn back drawn back and there's never a dull moment when we're together so you're like my fun stages together too we're like you moved away i moved away for a while and then like we were now like making our like slow journey back to the the mother (laughs) mothership (laughs) i can honestly you're both of our For sure. And I can say that the topic we're going to talk about today, and we'll explain to everybody why in a minute, is probably the last topic I ever thought that we would be talking about, or even on a podcast together. So it's just ironic that it's that we're here today talking about something that's really, really important to you, which is just really creating the life that you desire and starting before you're ready, like your book says, and your businesses is dream it and do it. So I kind of want to give people first a little bit bit of backstory on you, why we're having this conversation, how we came about almost like a lot of times I start with your junk story. Like I hate calling it junk, but it's kind of like, why are we here? Why are we having this conversation? So can you give us a little bit of like the meat and potatoes behind um, why we're here? Sure. So just a little bit on me. I have spent the last like 10, 15 years in new product development. So I work for all sorts of different companies, creating new products from ice cream, bug killers, cleaning products, juicing machines, and lots of small companies, lots of big companies. Anyways, I found myself pregnant, eight months pregnant and looking, you know, not really sure um, what my next step was going to be. And the, the universe decided I needed to be laid off. So I was being forced to like ask this question, like, do I want to move home? What do I want to do with my life? And around the same time, I was preparing for some baby showers and 
one of the like things that apparently people are doing these days is instead of giving cards, you write a little message inside of a book. And I went searching for a, a Rebel Girls style book. I don't know if, if people are big Rebel Girls fans that listen to this podcast, but basically like a, a lot of short stories for kids about real people. And I wanted one that would help inspire my daughter to figure out what she wanted to be when she grew up. Cause I think a lot about this topic. I like hearing like how people got to where they got to. I probably had six different job titles in my life. Anyways, went looking for this book and I couldn't find it. And I remember so very clearly, it was a weekend your mom and your sister came to visit me because every year I have Heidi and her sisters down for my birthday. And last year, Heidi's sister couldn't make it. So she came on her own with my aunt and we were sitting in a restaurant, oven pizza grinder in Chicago. And I remember like I'd been laid off the weekend before and was like, oh, wouldn't it be great to like write this book because it doesn't exist. And I have experience, you know, launching products and wouldn't it be fun to just spend the next year writing a book? My husband's not really expecting me to go back to work because I, you know, we're having this baby and I can, something I can do. And they both looked at me, they're like, yeah, why, like, why are you even like, why are you not questioning this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why are we having this conversation? Yeah. And you, like, why hasn't your first chapter already been written? Exactly. So, you know, I really took that to heart and I will hold that moment very dear to me because, um, you know, I do think I'm a person of action. And so it kind of set me off on the, you know, I literally, I'm not doing anything before I have this baby. At least let me research what it would take to write a book. I know nothing about writing books, at least like, so when she's born, I can pull the trigger on yes or no that I want to do this. Mm. I spent the last two months of my pregnancy just learning everything I could about self-publishing or finding a publisher, what the cost, what it would take to hire an illustrator, everything that I could think of and just made tons of notes and took lots of naps. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it turned out that it was something that I felt like I could take on. And what was wonderful about it was that with being home with a new baby, writing a book is something that you could do in the in-between times. And mm-hmm. uh, babies are hard, but they're also very like, they give you moments of freedom that you don't actually get in any other point of your life. And I feel incredibly lucky that I found this Thing I could do when the world gave me these moments because I was going on walks with her every day when I had a chance to listen to audiobooks. I was going like at night when I was rocking her, I'd be reading a autobiography of someone or when she was taking a nap, I would write some pages. So um, it, it really was kind of the world's colliding of being quote unquote lucky enough to be unemployed and be in a space where I felt like I had the time and and capacity to write this thing in my heart. And now I couldn't be happier because I feel like even just in the three months since it's launched, when I get posts from people on my Instagram of their kids reading a story and feeling inspired by it, like, there's there's no other, it's better than any award or any book sale. Like, knowing that you've actually changed the life of a kid is pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I want to acknowledge too, is like going back to the moment with my mom and my sister of just like, why, why haven't you done this yet? Why haven't you taken action? You've always been the one in the family as the standout, like take 
freaking action. Step up. Don't take no for an answer. Anything is possible. I will make it happen. There is a way attitude. Like you always, 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 you'll either find the loophole or you'll find the opportunity and you will find a way. Like there's been so many times in my life where I'm like, I don't know what to do. And if I call you, you'll say, well, why haven't you done this, this, this? Have you done, first of all, this, 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 and this? And like, I didn't even think about those as options. You are have this keen ability to instantly tap into creativity and look for ways to figure things out. Whether it's when we're out having fun in a group of people and you're like, I want that. If you get your sights set on something that you want, you will take every single possibility, even if the door is closed and the lights are off. Like, can I call the owner and see if they can open up? You know what I mean? Like you just are relentless in your pursuit of happiness. Like it's kind of like I one of those like words, but yeah. Love me have another word for <laughs> that personality trait. Um, and, and, you know, I feel like there's a lot of traits that people have where you get the good side and the bad side of it, right? So I am equal parts stubborn and equal parts doer. And they materialize in different ways. So I am, I do think that I've had this incredible life journey where I've done some things I'm, I'm so proud of because I am relentless. Um, but I also charge through walls like a bull. <laughs> there's a door right over there. Like all you had to do was like, look a different way. And there's just, there's a door right there. No need to, to drive through the wall. <laughs> I think it's interesting too, because when we talk about this specific instance of like people looking at you and saying, well, obviously go and do it. Why haven't you done it yet? It it actually speaks volumes to the fact that this was something that was really important to you. I think that sometimes when things feel really, really important to us, we put this expectation around it. We put it on a pedestal, we hold it really high, and then it creates this sense of resistance. Like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to start that. It's too important to me. Like, I'm not sure if I'm ready to start that thing. So like, how do you teach kids or adults this sense of take action mantra? Earlier, we were talking about your ability to like, and this isn't to be funny at all. It's like the ability to like yourself provides uh, steps to take action. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think there's like two things. So and you have to remind me because if I don't get to the second thing, just even before the liking yourself, I think when we think of things that are really important to us, it's probably the one time in our life we actually see the end goal. So like, if you think about like grocery shopping, you don't go to, you don't like you go with like, oh, I need to get this, 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 and this. And then eventually like that turns into a meal and a meal turns into nutrition and nutrition turns into how you feel about your body. Like there's this whole journey about grocery shopping that isn't actually about like we the grocery store because it's a fun place to hang out right like it's a step in a a goal we have for feeling good and I think when things are really really important to us we tend to see the end and that's overwhelming because then you think well I I want this thing so like I need to get a website I need to get media I need to actually write the book I need to get an like you think about the hundred things that you have to do Mm -hmm. and it debilitates people because they actually don't even take the first step And what I think is really cool about dreams and the more that I have the opportunity to talk about dreaming and doing, the more I realize that like the cool things about dreams is they rarely have a deadline. Mm. Like there's rarely like, if you don't accomplish your dream by the end of the year, you'll never get it. If it had taken me two years to write this book, what, how would the, how would that 
be that different. Like, I'm glad that I did it in the time that I did it in, but often dreams don't really have a deadline. And so I think when we can have that end vision, but we let ourselves get caught up in the checklist to get there, then we get paralyzed in taking the first step. And so one of the things that as I've kind of had the opportunity to reflect on my path that I thought about is because I was bursting at the seams pregnant and really focused on this baby, I wasn't letting myself get overwhelmed by the end game. And I wasn't thinking about, okay, I'd make this list of 200 things that I have to do. And all I said was, all right, you know what? I'm just gonna investigate what it takes to either get published or self-published. And then when I did that, then I said, all right, what's the next thing that I have to do? Okay, the next thing I should probably put together is a business plan to make sure that I can afford to write this book and then I would actually make any money doing it. Okay, yep. And then each time I did a step, I was that much closer to actually having a finished book. And even when I was writing a hundred stories with a newborn baby, I didn't think about it as writing a hundred stories. I just thought today I want to write one story. Yes. And tomorrow I'm going to write one story. And it never felt like, oh my God, how am I going to write a hundred stories? And in fact, some days it brought me a lot of joy because when working for myself, I got to be creative and wear that one story. Like Ronnie and I would go to the park and I would write in the park or I would go out, we have a hot tub and I turned it off to cold. So like it became a little- I loved that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm telling you, you're like, you're you're the wayfinder. You're like, don't have a pool, turn the hot tub off and it's an instant (laughs) pool. I'm like, genius. (laughs) We would go downtown and we'd sit by the river and write and, um, you know, just, or read or whatever needed to be done that day. But so I think- the one thing I wish I could tell my younger self was, especially because dreams are this vision you have of the end and not of the journey, hold that vision in your heart, but stop making lists. And I can't believe the type A in me is saying that out loud because I love lists. We all love lists. Checking things off is incredibly cathartic. Like maybe don't. Yes. Just ask yourself, you know, if I get up tomorrow, what's the one thing that I could do to like push my dream one step further. It doesn't even have to be huge. Like, and even when I break down the like research publishing versus self-publishing, that really wasn't what I said to myself. Like the first day I woke up and was like, I'm going to call someone I know in the book industry today. That's the one thing I'm going to pull off and ask them their advice. And then the next day I would wake up and go, you know what? I'm going to research three self-publishing companies and figure out how is it that they make money? How would I partner with them? How are they different from each other? And that's the single thing I'm going to do today. And then I'm going to nap and try not to bark. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we cannot discount the simple priorities, like very, very important priorities, right? We laugh about it, but it's so true. Like it doesn't have to be these massive monumental breakthrough moments. It's just these, I call them micro moments. And I tell my clients all the time, hold the vision surrender the timeline. This will save you. Hold the vision, surrender the timeline, and also ditch the list. Lose the list is is the hugest thing. Lose the list, lose the list, lose the list. This took me years of practice to narrow down, and I still have sticky notes like all over the place, but I've inherited this new set of sticky notes at Target. They're amazing. I'll show it to you, which people can't see, but, but Kelly can put it in the show notes. They're these sticky notes. They're blue. They're teal at Target, and it says on here, today's top three. And every morning I wake up and I give myself this little permission slip to jot down three things. One of them today, number two is record cup of joy with Holly. 
you're on there. Like it's in pink. See right there. There's your name. And I know that by the end of the day, these are the three things that I give myself permission to get closer to fulfilling my dream and my mission and my purpose for being here. So how can we, even if that's take a bath tonight or um, whatever it is, go for a walk, like snow shovel the driveway. I'm looking outside right now at my neighbor, whatever, enjoy your actual cup of coffee, whatever it is that allows you to move the needle forward in your vision and your dreams in your life, like jot it down and then celebrate it at the end of the day. So every day I get to take this thing and I get to crumple it up and it feels so good to throw it in the trash and go like, wow, that was three more things that got me a little bit closer today. You know, small chunks, micro doses. Maybe that's the wrong thing. Micro actions. I feel like a micro doses with drugs, right? I don't know. <laughs> crack is back, everyone. Crack is back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So I also feel like, you know, there's so many things that distract us. So it's not just the, it's not just like, I call them joy blocks, like fears. And we can talk about fears too, but the fact that oftentimes we have these beautiful dreams, no matter how big or small they are. Um, and we find ways to distract ourselves, procrastinate. And I love that you mentioned, um, in your show notes, it was like, ask yourself what you could accomplish if you took a break from TV. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. It's funny because I feel like people really latch on to this point and especially now during COVID and maybe people are now on the other end of COVID where they're like, I'm so sick of Netflix. Like <laughs> once upon a time, it was such a joy to binge watch a TV show where like, we're all kind of at the end of content and, uh, and I still, now that I have the books written, I actually still live by this. I will not watch a serial television show. Your sister would kill me for saying this. I would, I will. <laughs> not watch a serial television show if I don't have the capacity to finish it. So if I want to like indulge in a day long that I'm in this and this is what I'm doing today. And it's incredible how great it feels to do it when it's intentional, where like, I'll, don't get me wrong. Like I'll watch TV at night with Scott or my husband, or I'll put on a good movie during the day when yeah, I'm making lunch and I just want something on television, or I've started watching cooking shows because they're great single doses where I feel like I, like the kitchen is my favorite for anyone who's looking for a great cooking show that you can watch one time. I come up with great healthy recipes anyways. Um, but things where like, I don't feel compelled when I have a choice to make between turning on the television and going and do something to push the pebble one step further or one little bit further. It makes me not be okay to not turn on in the first place. Cause once it's on, it's so hard to turn off, especially when you're home all day and no one, I was the only one that was pushing myself to write this book. Like I had full on permission to be unemployed and a new mom. And I know those are both very worthy things to do and I'm not discounting them at all. And so for me, not having something that caused a, this, this distraction or like, oh, well I can just do one more episode, one more episode. And yeah. I had eight hours in a given day. And if you discount the, like, you need to shower, maybe take care of your body a little bit. It turns out like this baby had some needs. That <laughs> 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 um, when you really like pare down, like, even if you took one hour a day, like if you really have this thing you're chasing after whatever that is, and it doesn't even have to be a career thing, right? Like it can be the, like, I want to 
have a better relationship with my body. I want to have a better relationship with my husband. I want to, you know, be this kind of mom, whatever it is. I want to learn a new hobby. Yes. That, I want to learn calligraphy. What, I don't know, you know, whatever it is. Think of what you can do with one hour in a day, one hour in a day. If you just use that one hour to say, you know, instead of watching this show at seven o'clock, I'm going to go do this one thing. And that's over 300 hours a year that you've used to dedicate for, to this thing that you'll remember 10 years from now that you won't remember TV. And I, I, I really like, I'm not, hippie's not the right word, but like, I'm not this like crazy progressive person that's like, turn off your television. And like, I believe in TV. It has, I, it has such a wonderful role in our lives for educating and for entertaining and frankly checking out. But I will say that like, how did I have a baby and write a book? It's because I made this, I really do think that like that was a huge difference that I decided to watch auto or I decided to watch documentaries instead of television shows and use those documentaries to write a book. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, one of the podcasts that I listen, uh, listen to is Lewis Howes and the School of Greatness. And he talks about how when he decided to go all in on his business, you know, at the starting phases, the number one thing that he did was he sold his TV because he decided that if he was going to engage with his TV, it was going to be intentional. Like you said, he was going to drive to his friend's house for the Sunday night football game and enjoy it and be there and be in the game and eat the snacks and do the things or go to the bar. And I know we're in COVID, but whatever, you know what I mean? And so being really intentional about his time with TV allowed him to realize how much time he actually spent distracting himself with TV and how much time he well, actually had in a day. I'm in my parents. They rented a place for a month in Florida. So the freedom that being an author gives you, I came down for two weeks to spend with them. And we got into the Airbnb two days ago and the TV doesn't work and they couldn't get it fixed until today. Well, last night we found ourselves in the evening without a television and we sat by the pool for two hours having a drink and catching up. And I can't say that I missed having a television when we were, you know, spending quality time together. So again, like, I, I don't mean for this to be a preachy point because I feel like sometimes it can come off that way, but I do mean for it to be, even if it's not television, like thinking about where could you make space and often television is the culprit, but like, where could you make space for an hour a day to do this thing that I don't, I don't feel like makes me exceptional. It just, makes me have extra time that I've chosen to use in a certain way that I, I really am proud of having done. Yeah, exactly. Why is this book so important to you? Can we talk about that? Like, what's your mission with it? With it? What do you want to accomplish with it? Why is this so important to you? So I, in full disclosure, because you obviously know this um, at nauseum about me, but I never wanted to be a mom. I never had plans to have children. So it feels weird talking about with you. Not, I feel like in other, another uh, podcasts or whatever, it's not that weird because they don't know me, but well, this was the thing too. When we first, when we first started the podcast today, I was thinking, and that's what I was kind of trying to get across the listeners is the irony in all of this is Holly is my cousin who we've been like ride or die our whole lives. Like we're not having kids. 
we're living our freedom. We're traveling the world. Like I'm by your side. And I remember, I remember the last time that you came out to California to visit me and, and you were like, oh my gosh, like, I don't, uh, the fear is like, am I even going to want to be a mom? Like, oh my gosh, this is all happening. This is a reality. What's it going to be like? So much fear, the unknown uncertainty and all the things. And now it's like, it's, it's upside down. It's like your, your new life's purpose and calling. So it's just like come so full circle and so surreal that we're having this conversation. Cause a lot of days I still try to trick myself, even though I'm watching your cute baby on social media all the time. I'm like, no, she's not actually a mom. I mean, she's just borrowing. (laughs) Honestly, I have to wake up every morning and remind myself. Usually the monitor reminds me, but uh, (laughs) it's, it is, the honest to God's truth though, that I do feel like my purpose right now is helping her figure out who she gets to become. And I think that it is something I didn't foresee as a mom being such a cool part of motherhood is they're this blank slate and you're the one that's writing on it. And, you know, obviously there's the whole nature versus nurture debate. And I do believe, I mean, our family is the perfect example of the six of us being raised by similar people and how incredibly different we all turned out. So there's certainly that piece of it, but there's also the piece of it that comes from the influence of, you know, there's probably a reason that I went to business school when my dad went to business school, right? Right. Um, Probably a reason that I didn't go to, into other careers that our family just doesn't have a lot of exposure to. There's not a lot of doctors in our family, right? So I think that, you know, the fact that I have this opportunity to help my daughter figure out who she wants to become. And I think one of the things that overwhelms me is how many things I could teach her to do. Like, even if I just try to get her interested in my hobbies, that's Monday through Friday of activities, right? Like, I love painting. I love scuba diving. I love singing. I love performing. I love writing. There's so many things. And that's probably even just the beginning of the list, right? Like I'd love to her to learn a language. I would love for her to travel, like learn about travel, learn about history. Like there's so many things I want to impart on her. How on earth do I help her focus in on the couple of things that not only would she love, but she could actually become really good at, which I would love to talk about because um, I, I've done a lot of research about what makes kids turn into happy adults. And one of those things is having a hobby, which we should definitely talk Mm. about. But anyways, what's important to me was helping early on zone in on what things I can, or like how to help her find that thing that makes her light go off, right? Like we're both pushing 40. And I think for the first, not for maybe for the first time, but like we've both now found this thing that sparks our joy and we're 40 well we're not quite 40 but like we're getting we're we're almost there we're almost there I know and I feel like this is so weird because I I remember sitting in the taxi cab with you on one of my Chicago visits I think maybe two years ago for your birthday and telling you I want to be a life coach I want to work with divorced women I want to like help people find their joy again and you're like okay and we were literally brainstorming stuck in traffic brainstorming. Okay. Where can we find these people? How can we make this happen? And at the time sitting in the cab with you, or it was an Uber at the time, I remember thinking, 
I mean, this sounds so good. She believes in me, which is another thing. Our family is like huge on believing in each other and, and being there for each other when we don't think that we can. Believing in our dreams, but then the doing part always feels like that, like, uh, Uh, can I do it? Like, how am I going to do it? It feels like climbing Mount Everest. And I haven't even like researched the poles, right? Like why research the poles when it's going to take me however long to actually get to Everest, right? But that's the whole point. And sitting in that Uber ride, I was like, wow, okay, this is possible. But I actually didn't believe that a year and a half later, two years later, after having that conversation with you, that I would have left my six figure job and actually started taking small little steps. And that's exactly what it is. Life just keeps unfolding the more that I invite it in. And I don't have it all figured out. I'm far, far from figuring it out. But every day I just take another little step and Google another thing. I don't know how to do shit around here. You know, I've never run a business before. I don't have 15 different business coaches. I probably, you know, that's another step that people can take is invest in people and programs that allow you to grow. But even without that, it's like, first step, Google something, try doing one small step, you know, and now look at us. We're both going in different directions. You know, well, that's I, when I think about Ronnie is my daughter's name, but I think about Ronnie and what, you know, she's capable of and, you know, what I realize that our generation is different than the next generation is that they may not need to follow this. Like our, we are a very traditional path, right? Like you graduate from high school, yeah. you get a four-year degree, you go work at a company, you get experience where like, I'm more than happy to write her a college size check for a startup fund to go start her own company. I'm more like, you want to, you be good at it, like be smart. And I don't think that frankly, her father would ever let her get away with (laughs) not having at least presented him a business plan for her dream. But I think that there's a different way for the next generation of kids to find not only the thing that they love, but employment. I think I always kind of look back on my life journey and thought of myself as bouncing back and forth between employed and unemployed. But the truth is I've actually always been employed, but my unemployment, I are like pet prod or like love projects, right? So like when I'm unemployed, I take on these love projects because when you're in innovation, you're constantly being laid off because people restructure whatever. And then when someone hires me and pay- raise me a paycheck, then I'm employed. And I think our generation is kind of programmed to think like, well, if someone's giving you a paycheck, then you're employed. And if you're working on your own thing, then that's what you're doing during your unemployment. Yeah. The the generation behind us doesn't see it in that same way. And I really want to be the person that can help that next generation figure out what they're interested in early enough so that they can spend their childhood exploring the arts or exploring service. Or when I look at some, what some kids have done before high school graduation to make the world a better place, it's insane. Uh. And, And I, I think it actually, it helps to like calm the the crazy in my head when I think about all the things that I could teach Ronnie in terms of like, all right, if I have a tool to help her focus and realize like, as we're going through some of these stories together, that she's really zeroing in on the ones that have to do with science, then let's focus our energy on doing experiments together or going to science fairs or letting her listen to podcasts about, like there's so many ways that you can engage kids in their interests. And I think that my, my hope is that this book or the you know, different pieces of content that I put out help parents to figure out what their kids are interested in so that they can have these interests and hopefully those interests lead to a happier adulthood. 
I love this so much. And I was just thinking too, like, I feel like a big piece of this, and I'd love to hear your perspective is, yes, I love all the different opportunities that you, that you're laying out in the book and honing in on like, Ooh, what are they gravitating towards? But then also like permission to pivot permission to change your mind. Because I think the generation that we grew up in, it was like, pick what you're going to be and then go all in with that. If you're and then it was like and huge and get a doctorate and get, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was like, choose right away. And I'm not saying like I, my parents are super flexible and all that thing, but they, they were taught that way too. It's like, okay, well, you want to be a teacher. You want to be an accountant. You want to be a lawyer. You want to be a firefighter. You want to be a doctor. You want to be a broadcast journalist, whatever you want to be. We're going to sign you up for all of the arts in all of the ways right now. And we're going to groom you. So many, so many people in our generation, we're going to groom you to be that. And then by the time you get to college, you're just like, well, I can't stop doing this now. So I think it's important as parents that there's like this permissioning to pivot. So maybe I'm reading the book now and I'm gravitating towards all these things, but then maybe I'm reading the book a year later and now I have some other interests. So can I like layer those things on or can I have permission to go in a different direction? And it doesn't have to be so like all in all the time. You know what I mean? Well, I think what's neat too is that, you know, the age of people having kids, the age reading my book, are still probably only in their early 30s. So in in some ways, I actually heard this from a woman I was talking with on a podcast last week that for adults to be reading this to their kids, they can see that like, you don't, if you're not happy today, there are so many things you can go do that, I mean, I am not a children's book author prior to last year. And now I've been told that because you, I wrote a book that gives me the right to call myself an author. <laughs> so I hear so many adults in their 30s and 40s go, I mean, I'm not happy doing what I'm doing right now, but what else am I going to do, Heidi? Like what else? I only know this. What else am I going to do? And there's this like block, this limiting belief that's just like, I've done this my whole life. I'm so terrified to even entertain the idea of a different dream. And I'll tell you like right now, COVID I wish COVID away. So everything that comes after this, like if I had a magic wand, COVID would go away. But if you're going to, you know, squeeze lemonade out of these lemons, what a great time to, if you're working from home or, um, you know, are in a different setting that maybe now is a good time to do some of that research or take a class instead of like being on your commute, take a class at the end of your workday or use your lunch break to even just start like, the first page of the book you've been dreaming of or yes. whatever that is. Um, I, I think the, the silver lining of COVID is that it has actually produced a lot of people making huge pivots in their life because it's given them the space to see that, wow, I want either I want something more than this or I have the capacity to make this change. But um, I have been inspired by other stories like mine where you know, a year of isolation has caused people to make that first step. And then that second step, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was going to ask you earlier in our pre, in our, in our pre-interview when we should have just been recording anyways, have you read the book success principles by Jack Canfield? No, tell me about it. 
Oh my gosh. Just, I'm not even going to go into it. We're going to put it in the show notes. Everyone go order that book. It's massive. And usually I don't buy books that look big. Like I'm that kind of person where I'm like, if the font's not a certain size and it's too much to take in, but I've literally been taking that book. And what I love about that book is it's literally mini snippets of how to be successful in life, not in a business sense in any way. It's like, how to live a fulfilled life, how to fulfill yourself. And it's, it's massive. I mean, it's going to take me all year to read. We should read it together. And maybe some of our listeners want to read with us. I'm an audiobook junkie. Ooh, that's a great idea. Yeah. I should get it on audiobook on just your, and this probably comes from a summer of having to, I read like 120 autobiographies in the course of four months that turns out when you put it on tape, then you can listen in the shower. You can listen while you're doing dishes. You can so true. Feeding a baby a bottle while you're going for a walk or a run while you're working out. Like all of a sudden reading doesn't become this stationary activity. It becomes this fluid part of your life. And if I was not physically talking to someone, I had an audiobook going yes. in my brain. So Randy started one of my big books, audiobooks. Yeah. Is yours, is, is dream it and do it on audio book? Oh, way to catch me. No. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) You know what though? It has such beautiful illustrations in it that I like, that's another reason I love to page through books. And especially if you're buying a book that you're going to read with your child, there's something about like, it's different to be reading it on your own, but to be reading it with a child and going through that process, you really want to have a tangible book I feel like it's why it's always settled down near the end of the list like it is on a list somewhere but when I really dream about how like when I daydream about people using this book it really is parent child sitting together and enjoying the book and having a platform to talk about it so if you think about like how many times have you asked the littles in your life like oh what do you want to be when you grow up and then they tell you and then although I feel like your niece is an exception because she's like I've never seen a kid Oh, she so loves love books. It. She mm-hmm. loves books. Well, she, even- she could tune out life forever and just <laughs> like buy her a Barnes and Noble as her house and put a bed in it. And she'd be solid for life. Like, she's probably the one kid that doesn't need my book because I've never seen a child know what she wants to be when she grows up. Yeah, <laughs> that child knows. And I'm like, get, get it, girl. I dream about that, honestly, a lot is how can I be successful to help her successfully open and run her own pet adoption? I actually think I've never even told my sister this, but I think about this all the time. So maybe you and I need to dream it and do it. Um, some, some, some type of collaboration. Cause I know that hope is born to be in this line of work and she deserves all the support to, to, to nurture that dream. Like it really is her dream and she would be so damn good at it, you know? Yeah. And this is this, so this to me is like what parenting I like so jazzed about being a parent is when that moment hits and I'm like, yes, Ronnie's going to be a Broadway star because that is my secret dream for her. <laughs> like, let's just assume that my dream and her dream collide. <laughs> and then like, we get to go full in on something and whether it's like actually being a Broadway star or whatever that is, I'm so excited to go full in on something with her and like, be on that journey. Cause it is, there's, there's, and maybe it's, part of like learning to write this book or any other thing, but like watching a human being that you made go like full in on falling in love with something in the world. And because I'm a dork, research does show that kids who have interests at a young age are more likely to be a happy adult 
because it, they can figure out how to weave it into their careers. They do things for internal satisfaction versus external satisfaction. They learn how to be bad at something and then be good at something, which helps with failure. Like, it's incredible the amount of research out there that really shows that helping your kids have not just like a hundred inches, but like really like hone in on loving something. It's incredible. So like I, to me, I, everything is just a tool to help me get my kid to the point of this is what I want to be all in on. And so I think it's, it's really neat that we have littles like that in our life that mm -hmm. we can, we can do something with. And frankly, like, I don't care what industry you're talking about. It's so rewarding when, when like you can change the life of someone else. Right. Yeah. And frankly, I'm not sure that I was that cool of a person before now to have said that, but I do think that that's something that this book has changed in me. Absolutely. I love, I love how the hobbies lead to happiness. I couldn't agree more. How do you make sure not make sure that sounds so strict, but how do you have awareness around the fact that there are so many hobbies and different way, different things that you can introduce to your kid without like inundate without overwhelming them? Like, Oh, here's, here's the arts and here's the, this, and here's the, that, and here's the, here's the track and field. And here's like, without overdoing it, I guess, but then allowing them to, to explore different hobbies. How do they, how do you go about that? So the first thing I want to say is, um, can people like reply to your podcast? Like when you yeah. post it in the comments. Totally. So I would actually love, like, I'm a new mom, so I'm just figuring this out myself. So I would love in the comments if there are moms in listening to this to if they have advice, because I'm constantly looking for the answer to this question. Because as someone who's just written a book with a hundred different careers, like, I've given you another tools, but like, yeah, like how do you now say, like, all right, kid, I've introduced you to a hundred different things. How do we how do you boil that down to the couple of things? So my hope was that by reading this book, the kids would kind of naturally gravitate towards a certain area. But I also do think that that's, a, that's a, a question I'm kind of in the mode of trying to figure out how to better help parents use my book to say like, all right, now, because each story ends with an activity. Mm. And one of the things I've, I've been thinking a lot about is the, the idea of play. And I want to do some more research on this on this area to be able to talk better about it but I do think that the hypothesis I have is that if kids are doing activities at a younger age that are correlated to some sort of path that it's easier through play for kids to get that oh we, I, I, one of the things that I love doing with my niece is we make we make books together like I'll staple paper together and I'll either start a sentence and they'll finish it or I'll come up with a theme and everyone has to write a book about a certain theme. Like I give them enough starters to like mm -hmm. get them running, but then let their creativity go. So it's, I think that they would be able to use those activities to be like, oh, this is really fun. I enjoy writing or I, this is not the activity for me. So my goal isn't necessarily to be, you know, middle school, high school level. What's your aptitude? What do you like? Yeah. My passion is helping elementary school kids use play to figure out. So whether that play is actually physically reading my book or taking the activities at the end of each story and going and doing things, even just like another example is writing letters to your congressman. Yeah. That, that is another way that you can like understand how passionate your kids are about providing service to others. And we forget the like, like it's so easy to say math, science, art, right? But even service is 
something that we need lots and lots of people to do, whether it's doctors or military people or firemen or whatever that is. And so I think, I think play is so, so important. Play is so important for kids and adults, but especially because I was thinking about hobbies and I think that kids give up in hobbies quite often because there's the pressure to be good at it. Like you said, like, if I'm not good at it, then I'm just going to ditch that until I find something that I'm good at. And that there's, there's pros and cons to that. Right. But if we can just play and there's no pressure around it, because play is literally the essence of just like doing something just because yep, just because, and, and playing with it and being creative and make believe there's no hook to it. There's no like pressure to succeed or be good, label it as good or bad. So we can just play in the arena of all the different possibilities and, and opportunities of different hobbies and ways of being and, and all of that it removes that piece of not good enough, not worthy enough, like not for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's probably, that's the answer to the question. And, and because I'm a bit type A, if I sometimes feel like I have to have cited research to be able to say so, but logically I hope that kids use my book either to read and be inspired or to use the activities to play and find the thing that they love. Because I don't think that you have to be enrolled in music lessons to figure out that you love music. There are so many, the example I give in my book is you can buy really inexpensive lessons or even go to YouTube and just get a cheap keyboard and you can teach yourself so much just without the full commitment of, you know, every Saturday morning piano lessons, just do little play things. Yes. And, you know, that's, I think where some of the, the nuggets will start to to find themselves. And just because you found one doesn't mean you won't find another. Like, again, I never, on a list of a hundred, if I did order my book and the things that I would want to become, I bet writer would have fallen out at like number 80. Yeah. And I had to actually play a little bit with writing to go like, oh, this isn't the thing I was forced to do in high school that I hated. This is an expression of ideas in my head. And when I reframe writing is just an expression of this thing I care about, it was very different than the writing that was school versus the writing that is play. Ah, oh, I love that. I love all of this so much. I love you. I feel like we're going to have to do a follow-up podcast episode to this because we have to wrap it. But I want to encourage our listeners to drop in all of your comments on the Instagram pages that you see in the show notes on cupofjoythepodcast.com on anywhere we want to know what do you guys want to hear more of what what do you want to hear next like holly said engage with us um tell us your thoughts around this podcast episode we have two closing questions that we ask everybody on cup of joy are you ready what do you love most about yourself i love most my stubbornness and i'm glad heidi that you gave it another name when we were talking earlier that uh, sounded much kinder than I am (laughs) making it. I call it commitment and relentlessness (laughs) an attitude to find a way. (laughs) But for good or bad. So whether that it means that uh, I end up with a free hotel night because (laughs) 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 I found myself in a city homeless and gave my sob story to some bellman and whatever, but I do genuinely believe that where there is a will, there is almost always certainly a way. And I've lived in foreign country, or I guess a foreign country. I have gone to a grad school that I always kind of thought was above me and done all these things that I 
didn't believe I was, I didn't, I didn't believe, but like on paper wouldn't seem that fit into my, the little box that we can put ourselves in. And the simple belief instilled in me from my family that if, if you want it bad enough, go, you'll find a way. And it's self-perpetuating too, because the more you do it, the more people tell you, like you just did, that you have this superpower. And the more you believe you have the superpower, the more you go do it. So, yep. um, you know, if, if you don't believe that in yourself, surround yourself with people who will tell you that because it really, I don't think I would believe that I had these capabilities or that I could just go do something like write a book or start a company in China or go to a, a top grad school if there weren't people surrounding me in my life to say, of course you can, of course you can, of course you can. And eventually you really do start to believe it. Yeah, I love that about you too, so much. And then the last question is, what does joy feel like? Joy feels like a Tuesday that feels like a Saturday. And even as I'm sitting here on a Monday at 1, 11.30 a.m. in a, my parents' house in Florida, you know when like you can have a Friday off work and you go do something and it's the same thing you might've done on a Saturday, but it just feels like, ah! Like yes! Went to six different ice cream stores. Yes, that's so amazing. Oh my gosh. Friday afternoon, like there just seems to be something. To me, joy is the thing if you're doing something on a non-weekend and it feels so much like a weekend, that to me is joy. And when I, I feel like the moments that I were the, had the most joy in my life is when I couldn't always separate the weekend from the weekday because they were, they, every day was such a great adventure or I got to do something new or try something new or I had the freedom to be living the life that I wanted to on Monday. I didn't have to wait for Saturday to arrive to be living my best life. Yeah. I, I know that like, not everyone is afforded that, but I do think that it's a great question to ask is like, what would I want a Tuesday to look like so that I could feel more like a Saturday? Absolutely. Oh, so good. So good. Oh my gosh. I love you so much. I love this chat so much. You guys, it's not just because she's my cousin. This is some incredible stuff right here. So make sure that you check the show notes. Um, she's also offering a special discount. If you use the code cup of joy, you get 10% off at dreamitanddoit.com. So go check out Holly, follow at dream it and do it on Facebook at the possibilities ahead and dreamitanddoit.com. Well, You're you so amazing. Oh, and I really, I feel like my week may have peaked already. This is incredible. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely going to be one of the highlights of my week. So <laughs> Thanks for coming on cuz I love you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for all that's to come. And I think you already have book number two in the works. You just don't know it. I mean, I heard so many things today where I'm like, Ooh, that's going to be a uh, part of the next book. So I can't wait to see what's all coming and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Love you. Love you. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love what you heard, please take a quick second to screenshot this episode and share it with someone that you know would love it. Connecting with you brings sunshine to my soul. So let's continue the conversation on Instagram at joyfullybe. Drop me a message, question, or share your own Junk to Joy story with me. Remember that joy is contagious. You can help me spread it by leaving a little buzz, aka a review, on Apple Podcast. To learn more about Cup of Joy the Podcast, and my soulful services, visit cupofjoythepodcast.com. Chat soon.